Everyone, we are live beyond Sunday. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. With me is uh, Kevin Madsen and Taylor McAllister. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Howdy. Yeah, glad we could uh, all hang out. If you are uh, joining on YouTube right now live, um, we're glad you're here. Pop into the chat. Let us know uh, where you're watching from. And at any point, feel free to ask a question through the chat and uh, hopefully we'd be able to touch on it um, if we have time to get to it. We have some of our own questions we're gonna get to as we unpack the sermon from this last weekend at Cornerstone Fellowship. Kevin, you preached a great message. Um, we got a lot of feedback, a lot of great feedback, um, except for one guy at the nine o'clock was very disappointed by your sermon. Um, I mean, just for context, a guy in the chat said, I was looking forward to this all week. I'm so disappointed. I'm in tears. And that was a that was the first time I've made someone cry with how terrible a message was. So it was a first for me. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's a first. I just feel like usually when we're <laughs> first one I knew about. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone. So um, probably not the first one. Uh, but no, I got so much good feedback um, from your sermon. I love the animation, love the song in the middle. So I thought you mixed things up really well and um, and had fantastic content. Uh, so I watched the 9 a.m. and so I got to see all that that good chat going on with the guy's disappointment, the guy calling you Slim Shady. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, people like the mustache joke. So it was all good. And then uh, I don't know how your guys' weekend was, but um, I'm so desperate for a live sporting event that I watched NASCAR on Sunday afternoon. So I didn't watch NASCAR, but I did watch the Bundesliga German soccer on Saturday morning. Really? Yep, I did. Gosh, I was so excited about NASCAR, which I've never been in my life. Like, I've never cared about NASCAR. And, like, I was, like, when it started, I was already watching. And then our power went out, like, four minutes in. So, it's like, nothing was meant to be. Like, so excited. For the event. way you just described when it started, I was already watching is so funny. Because, like, because it's, like, impressive to you that you turned it on before it started. Which, in general, is, like, what you do with a sporting event you're looking forward to, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but not for NASCAR. <laughs> I mean, it's a good point. I've never watched NASCAR on purpose. I mean, I kind of, it's been on in the background a couple times. Taylor, are you, uh, do you like sports at all? Or is that not I, your thing? I love sports. I yeah. am a sports person. I do. But all the sports that I normally love to watch are not happening, like football yeah, and basketball. And yeah. so I play normal, Madden. Normal sports. Yeah, you play I Madden? Play What's Madden? your Madden team? Oh, goodness, Raiders. I stick with Raiders every time because I love Taylor, them. let's play no. Madden. Yes, let's do so it. So you're a Raider fan? Who, what's your basketball team? Oh, basketball team is Lakers. They're bad Lakers. Lakers. Ooh, rough. I know. It's just a rough time all around for me. <laughs> yeah, we then our so we watched NASCAR. Then we actually played Madden, me and my boys, uh, with Steve Sanderson. And um, Kente ended up losing to my older son, Isaiah, at the end of the night, and then it kind of ruin the rest of the night from there on out he didn't handle yeah that'll happen so that's part it's of it. weird because on one hand you want to teach them how to like take an l with dignity but on the other hand being mad about losing in madden is such a core part of being alive as a human <laughs> being you know what i mean it's like if he yeah. just took the l gracefully i'd be like who are you you're still yeah. throw the controller what are you even doing yeah they started to like literally physically fight a little bit yeah time. well it's all I wouldn't want to fight Isaiah. I don't think that ends well. No, it doesn't. But he's so patient that it was fine. So it was all good. All right, let's jump in um, to our content. 
And I want to say hi to everyone who's popped in live. Thanks for jumping in. Craig, Jamari, Scott, Darlin, Jens. How you guys doing? Thanks for joining us. Um, so yeah, let's jump in. So I have a few questions. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about with you is, Kevin, as you're talking about, um, in your sermon, you're talking about how in the Psalms, it's like this journey up a mountain and you're noticing things. And then the middle of the Psalm, you kind of get to like the, the, the apex, the top of the mountain, and it's the main point. And then you go back down and you see everything from a new light because of, of what you learned from the middle of the Psalm. And, and then you took, you drew that analogy out and you talked about how when you're, when you're a mountain climber, you're going up the mountain, oftentimes you'll see a false summit and you'll think, you know, where the top is. And so you'll plan that way and then you'll get there. And then you realize I got a, a lot longer to go. And the same thing can happen for us in terms of our relationship with God or something we think we understand. And then it's not enough. Like there's so much more to know and learn about God. I don't know. That was powerful to me because I've, I can think of times where I think I thought I had God kind of figured out. Um, and then something happened in my life that just rocked my world. And I realized, wait, there's so much further for me to go um, in terms of my understanding of God. Um, I don't know, Taylor, if that point resonated with you as well as you were listening this weekend. No, yeah, I think um, there have been many moments where I have tried to have the kind of that control factor and felt like I could kind of predict how things were going to end. Um, and I have found that, you know, as I've gone through life, the thing that has been most comforting for me was not necessarily knowing what the summit was going to be or even knowing what the ending of whatever my situation was going to be. It was the peace that God brought me in the middle of things. Because even like, if you look at a situation like COVID, like all of us know that eventually there will be like an end to this situation. Like at some point there will be like some sort of normal or new normal for us in which we won't have to be sheltered in place. But knowing that doesn't necessarily bring comfort right now. And so like just being able to experience the peace of God that we, that we hear about so much and like we see in Philippians chapter four when he talks about the peace of God which will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Like these things, this is what I need to get through the situation. So like when I think about like the false summit and like the real summit, if anything, that false summit usually hits me when I try to predict the ending and when I try to prepare myself for what the ending might be. And then all of a sudden I'm just disappointed because <laughs> I thought I knew. And then the situation yeah. either continues or it doesn't end the way I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. No, I love that too, because the uh, there's not really anything gained as far as our faith or our I don't know, are like mental and emotional and spiritual muscles that you're trying to like develop and uh, in like circumstantial peace where don't get me wrong. It's great. I love circumstantial peace. I would, I like it. I wish I had more of it, but if it's, if things are just like pretty chill, um, there's not like resistance and there's not like something to push back on and develop muscles. And, uh, and so I think that is where in that uncertainty and when stuff's really crappy, I think that's part of how God redeems it is doesn't make it all better all the time. Sometimes it does. And it doesn't like always make it all make sense. Although sometimes it does, 
But if you like lean into that in that moment, usually what you can, at the very least, what you can exit that situation when you do actually get to the summit with is a new sense of, you know, an understanding of who God is. And I feel like for me, um, one of the questions we got was like trying to, to determine like, well, how do you know you're at a false summit? Like, what's the difference between a false summit and a, the actual summit? And I mean, I think this is the type of thing that's, it's going to be, it's very much going to depend on what exactly we're talking about. It's like sort of hard to discuss it completely in the abstract here, but um, I know for me, it's almost like God is like so big and crazy and interesting and complex and mysterious and like nuanced and other, like he's not in the coolest ways. I, I he's not me. And he's not something that I can easily understand and figure out. And so I've usually found that like in, in the context of the sermon we were just talking about, like the real summit is, is a little scarier and, and maybe is a truth that's like a little bit harder to digest. So I think sometimes that's true. Sometimes actually the, the, the actual summit might actually be better and like mm -hmm. the thing we've settled for might actually be like a hard truth that like is just wrong theology like no god's grace is just bigger than that or whatever but i think for me usually when it's like too neat and tidy and it's too small like and it's too pithy and greeting card and you know if it's that's the stuff that usually ends up being the false summit like and and for me i almost to a fault um, even to the point where I get myself like twisted in knots. It's like, if my theology doesn't work for everyone, it doesn't work for anyone. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times what I end up doing is, is trying unsuccessfully to like project myself into somebody else's life experience or emotions or feelings or whatever and go, how would I feel about God? How would I feel about this, this thing I'm trying to wrap my brain around? I think God is like this. Well, how would I feel about that if I was this person? And that's another way for me that I try to push past those false summits that end up not being big enough because they're just kind of bound by my life experience and the things that that I've gone through. But yeah, I don't know. I think it I think it very much depends on what it is we're talking about. Yeah, it's it's hard to pin pin down. You're you're totally right in an abstract way. I mean, I've I've found in my own personal life that um I've hit multiple false summits, right? I thought I had a solid theological viewpoint pinned down that I would I was just absolutely confident in and it was it was like more neat and tidy and it wasn't until I you kind of experienced something that's really difficult in your life that kind of rocks you to your core a little bit where you realize God is more complex there's paradoxes that we can't even explain how both things are true at the same time and um and but you know what that's what like this that's part of the joy of the journey also is like continuing to learn and grow and understand and learn the concept of humility um is part of like as you hit these false summits it's like it's really humbling because you realize and i've had people mentors who are, who have been uh, following christ for longer than myself and they've they've constantly said the longer you walk with Christ, the more humble you become because the more you realize God is so big. I have, I don't, I know a few things like he died on the cross and I, I believe these things, but like, man, there's so much I don't know about how it's have you guys ever seen stuff. that. Have you guys ever seen that graph? I'm probably going to work this into a sermon someday. So, but have you guys ever seen that graph that maps? Uh, I'm going to butcher it right now, but it's basically like what you think, you know, mm -hmm. 
And so it's basically like when you when you discover a topic for the first time, and like you start like here at the bottom, this is like zero. And it basically goes like this really fast at the beginning because everything seems like it makes sense to you. And you're, what you're actually doing is like um, making connections that aren't there and looking like grabbing obvious points that everybody else really knows. And it goes like this really fast. And then at a certain point, as, as the bottom, uh, the bottom, the X axis of this graph is what you actually know as you get like further along this journey. Mm -hmm. So it goes like this and then it like crashes mm -hmm. and then, and then, it, and then it comes like really, really slowly up after that. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, you get into a new topic, you think, you know, everything. Oh, then all of a sudden you're like, Oh my gosh, this is so more, so much more complex than I actually knew. And then a lot of people kind of like give up right there. But then if you stick with it, you actually get to the point where you know stuff. And it's, it's a good um, visual uh, representation of the more, you know, the more you don't, the more, you know, you don't know. Mm -hmm. That's the phrase. The more, like the more you know, you don't know. No, nope, yeah, there it is. Either. I don't know. It's not right. It's in the same. We're, we're barely we're missing it. Yeah, it's in there somewhere. Yes. But anyway, I think that I think in a lot of as as I'm figuring out like a new thing about God or I'm reading a book or someone's explaining something to me, I watch myself go on that exact journey. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh yeah, totally. This makes perfect sense. Wait a second. This is so complex. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just for sure. to show like the best way to understand really the complex God is is experiencing him for yourself I think Amen. like we we try to like come up with all these different like concepts of who God is until like until all of a sudden we we reach a place where we're just like oh my gosh the theology that I had the the ways that I thought about God in this moment for some reason don't make sense and then it's like you have to then you have to use the tools that God has given us which is the word of God prayer and like and community and going to and going to church and being a part of a, a community in which we can learn about God and understanding like the Bible is made up of people that had to go through some very similar things. Mm -hmm. These are people that fought the same, some of the same battles and asked some of the very same questions that we ask today. And they had to struggle with this the same way we do. And they had to experience God the same way we have to now it may look a little different because it's you know years and years but like even today we ask ourselves god where are you god i'm drowning like lord why doesn't this make sense so mm -hmm. it's like if we can finally if we can look at the bible and realize that these are real people mm -hmm. that had real emotions then it would make so much more sense to us to understand like god you were so good to them you are you were good for me in these moments and so i can believe that you are good for me now mm -hmm. amen and that's amen. why it's so important just like you're saying taylor that like we don't read the bible like it's some flat voiceless like like the people that were writing the bible were just like god's stenographers that are just like <laughs> typing what god says as fast as they can when really just like you're saying they're real people who who were in a boat and thought they were gonna die that was their day they were like I'm never going to see my kids again. Like that's what they were thinking in that moment. And it's because we know the end of the story because Jesus is in the boat and we're like, oh, the boat's not going to sink. And, you know, they're going to be fine. Like this Jesus guy, he's in the next book. I'm like pretty sure he's, he makes it out of this one. Yeah. And so I think the like, it's, it's easy to like almost take the drama out of the situation and take the humanity out of the situation. And it's just like spiritual voices reading to us and like, James Earl Jones is like soothing baritone and it's like no these are just real people that were freaking out like that's that's what's going on here and yeah and and just to piggyback on your other point Taylor 
you're so right in that like the experience, the personal experiences we have with God need to carry so much weight because, you know, the Bible is amazing. It's the word of God. And there's so much that we can learn from it. And church tradition is great. And, you know, there, but like the, nothing gets to you, nothing unlocks something in you like a personal encounter with Jesus. Like, and that's why the Holy spirit is such a gift. That's why corporate worship is so important. That's why all these things it's like, because you can learn all the things you want, but there's something about that. Like, I know that's true because God told me. Yeah. And that, that I can hold on to more than anything else. Yep. No, that's good. If anyone uh, watching live right now has a question, feel free to chat it in and we'll try to get to it. Um, Kevin, when you started your sermon and you, you began talking about how much this pandemic has caused you to realize like you want to be in control and how much of a struggle it is when you're not in control. I think like everyone can pretty much put their hand up and be like, yep, that's me. Like, I think that's such a universal struggle when you're preaching on our need for control. Like, why is that so universal? Like, why do we all struggle when we don't have control? Why do we spend so much energy and time fighting for control? Like, what is it about us that keeps wanting to do that? I think there's the, um, there's the sort of the good side and the dark side there. Um, I mostly during the message talked about the good side and just sort of was talking about the empathy that I have because part of the reason we want control is because we love people and, and we want to have a good fulfilling life and things that threaten the people we love or the dreams we have stress us out. And that's very understandable. And I think that's, those are perfectly okay feelings to feel and no one should feel guilty for those. But I think on the other side of that spectrum is it's just, it's just pride. It's just ego. It's just, I can control things because implicit in I have control is I can control things. And when you think about how, what a prideful statement it is to say, like, I can control X or Y or Z. It's like, when you say it out loud, it sounds really prideful, but you actually, most of us, I think, maybe not most of us, me, definitely, I guess I'll speak for me. I live in that false reality all the time. And so I might not be saying it out loud, but like the way I'm living my life is broadcasting to everybody around me that I think I got this. And mm -hmm. if that's not pride, I don't know what is. <laughs> How about you, Taylor? Where, where do you think that comes from? Oh man, I agree wholeheartedly. I think pride is something that is often talked about, but very, uh, but not often dealt with. I think in, in a lot of ways, it's kind of just ingrained in us. It's like a good thing to have pride. Totally. You know, when, you, when you think about like your country, when you think about your family, where you come from, all these things like this pride is something that's, that can a lot of times be looked at as such a good thing until we find ourselves in a place where we are losing control. Like mm -hmm. we, we start to lose our grasp on reality. We start to lose our grasp on the things that we used to have control over. And all of a sudden, like our pride, we, we don't have it anymore. <laughs> it can't mm -hmm. serve us anymore. And so, yeah, I completely agree. It comes from pride. And also, I think a lot of it also comes from fear. Like if we can't yes. control something, um, then who are we? If, if mm -hmm. we, if we, as if you're a parent, if you can't, if you can't control what's happening to your children, are you, are you a good, you're questioning, are, am I a good parent? As a husband or a wife, when something happens to your spouse, you ask yourself, am I a good husband? Am I a good wife? As a, and, and it goes on in any relationship or any, um, any place that you work at or anything like, 
it the fear of not of losing control makes you question yourself makes you question who you are who you were made to be and so i think um letting go of control is is such a like in in a lot in our world like a distasteful thing because it's like well then are you just letting someone else determine who you are and it's like no totally I'm, oh I'm, you're a hundred percent like because well, self-determination <laughs> is so so integral to our identity yeah. as i think as humans but especially as americans mm. and the idea that you would be okay just it feels like laziness. Like it feel like it feels wrong. It feels like you're giving up agency and that's a thing you should never do because personal responsibility and you got to watch out for yourself and nobody else is going to take care. You got to take care of yourself. And these messages that I think are ingrained in us and you realize like, oh, that's just not the way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. It might be the way of America, but it's not the way of Jesus. Yeah. And it's so funny because I think in our world today, even when we talk about reliance, you know, when we rely on God, God is not expecting us to then pay him back. It's like, you know, in this world today, it's like when you, when you get a loan, when you get something, they're like, okay, well, like, it's okay. You can just get me back. Like mm -hmm. God is not asking us to then pay him back. God's not invoicing us on Venmo. Yes. Yeah. Like, He's not doing it. And I think there's this, there's this mindset that we have that it's like, if I rely on God, then do I owe him? do I owe him something hmm. the same way when I rely hmm. on people, I feel like I owe them. And we oh, don't want to feel like that. We don't want to feel like we owe something back. And in, in a lot of ways, there's like, we have to understand there's absolutely nothing that we could give that could pay back what God has already done for us. And he's not asking us to give him these, these, you know, fleeting things. If anything, we we give him our adoration and our glory and our his glory that he deserves and our praise because of what he's already done for us the same way when a friend does something for us we give him a hug and we say i love you so much thank you so much like in like in the same way but on such a greater scale mm -hmm. like we we give back to we we give back to god and we love god because he's worthy of it mm. We, mm -hmm. praise, we praise God the best when we recognize what he's done. And if he's done it, that, that means we're understanding his control over the situation that was involved in what was done. And it's really hard to worship God and praise God and give glory to God when our kind of core mindset is, I did that. Mm. Like, it's, it's such a fundamental, massive block in our relationship with God in terms of the love interaction that's supposed to be happening. And like, I was thinking, Kevin, this weekend, as I was listening to you preach, I was just like thinking about, okay, when in my life have I been like, okay, God, take control. Like, God, I, I don't want control. I want you to have 100% of the control. Not that you already didn't, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I don't yeah, want to acknowledge it. You take it. I'm fully acknowledging it. God, you're in control. I want you to be in control. Like, those moments happen after I really screwed something up. Like I, it was clear, like it, like I had to be punched in the face of like, Chris, when you're in control, look how sideways things get. Yeah. And how often have I, like when things are going great said, God, keep control, like keep control. Cause it's going great. It makes you wonder what God could do if you'd willingly give up the wheel when you weren't like driving into a ravine already. I can't remember things going great and me like 
acknowledging God's control in the same way I do after I screwed something. Yeah. Like, I just don't. Like, I kind of think I got it most of the time. Or I, like, I understand all the context of the dynamics of the situation because I'm the only one in that unique situation. And so I kind of feel like I have the most information and context and like, and it's such a trap because obviously God has way more context than, than I do, but like, I can't help but feel that way a lot of the time, you know, it's dangerous for sure. Yeah, no, and I, 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 in a previous sermon, I talked about this a little bit, but one of the things I've noticed about the most successful, like business-wise, financially successful people in my life is that those are part of what comes with that. It seems like is an, an, a pathological inability to rely on other people mm-hmm. and, and, and even more so to rely on God. And like the idea that I need you or I need someone else or I need my spouse or I need God or whatever. It's like, I am a mat. I'm the master of the universe. I exert my will on the world. You know, I speak and mountains move. That's who I am. And I can make it happen. And my identity is wrapped up in that. And I don't think that's, all of us to that same degree, but I think we're right. so many of us are, are somewhere on that scale mm-hmm. of just, you know, it's cause it's a really nice little message to tell yourself. Like when things go well, I did that. And then when things mm-hmm. go wrong, it's someone else's fault. Like, that's great. That's, that feels good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, again, I know you did it uh, in your sermon, but can you tie together again, the connection between Psalm 46, be still and know that I'm God. And like how that is the antidote to like our need for control. Yeah. I mean, the, um, for me, it's the second half of that verse. Know that I am God Um, coming on the heels of a, a declaration and display of God's unpredictable, but uh, inarguable power where some of the things are like, God protects me from stuff. That's like verses one through four. And then verses five through seven, it's like, God's really cool. And also he speaks and the earth melts. And then verses eight through seven, eight through 10, I'm not looking at it right now, but it's this description of like God melting swords and swallowing up chariots and bringing desolation in the earth and just basically saying i will end the war like i don't whatever dumb decisions you're making i'll step in and handle it and so it's this kind of like there's a therefore at the end be still and know that i am god and so that be still i mean we talked about it during the sermon um i don't think at least in this context it's about finding a moment of zen you know it's not about meditating although those things are awesome um it's about like a through line that runs through a whole bunch of other emotions which is an acknowledgement of who has the wheel and what my role is and what my relationship to god is in the middle of being afraid in the middle of being happy in the middle of being excited or whatever it's not Uh, It's not connected to to like peace and quiet in a particular moment. But, but as I thought about that a little bit more, um, I think it's really interesting that like the people that I know or the people that I follow that are the most um, passionate and successful at meditation and a whole, whether it's in a Christian or in a, uh, like a Buddhist context or a whole bunch of other meditations, pretty universal thing uh, in different forms. Um, those people have worked so 
hard to be really good at it. They've worked so hard to be able to be still. They've worked so hard to be able to empty their minds. They've worked so hard to be able to focus on one thing for you know however long or to sit completely still for however long, depending on all the different types of meditation you might be practicing. And so mm -hmm. it, even in that, even in thinking about that like quiet moment in the morning, even in that, I'm like, what I'm seeing in this verse is the, the journey that you go on in understanding your relationship with God so that you even could have a moment of real quiet and real peace and real understanding of who I am and who God is. Mm -hmm. I think a huge part of that is understanding that like God is always moving. God is always doing things. And a lot of times like we miss it because we don't stop long enough to acknowledge mm -hmm. God's power and what he's already doing. And like, even in our situation, like there are things that God has already done or is doing and we, we don't even see it because we're so focused on the situation is so focused on ourselves and so a huge part of that be still is just is acknowledging the holy spirit at work yep uh, totally so huge taylor what like what helps you be still like what's your routine like do you have you when you think about like putting work into that what's generally worked for you uh usually it is actually getting into a quiet space i'm a person who's like go 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 so mm -hmm. like <laughs> being still is really difficult um and so usually in order to be still i have to be in a place that is still mm -hmm. and so that means like i have to get out of my house or like i have to go in my backyard um or even sometimes i've like just gotten in my car and i just drive to some place and i just sit um and it's literally just this moment of just complete silence, which I absolutely hate. I hate silence. It's the Same. worst. <laughs> um, but like, those are the moments I think I see clearest what God is doing. And I think I've, those were the moments, even in situations where, you know, I, that I faced in my life, like we've, I mean, our family has dealt with, you know, being living in a shelter for months or like my parents separating, um, and like different things that have gone on in my life and the things that have gotten me through that is just those moments where I get to just sit with God mm. and like in those moments I'll cry in those moments I'll just talk to God sometimes I don't say anything and I just sit and I just stare at God's creation and I just feel that peace of God sweep over me especially as a person who, who deals with anxiety like mm -hmm. it's really like, it's really hard to even want that because I think in my head, if I just keep going, if I just keep working, then I can just ignore what's happening. <laughs> like, yeah. if I just work hard enough, eventually this will just go away. But mm. um, sitting in those moments um, have been some just pure bliss. And those are the moments where I see God and I hear God the clearest. And so, yeah, that's, that's usually been- That's awesome. Um, for me, I- one of the things that helps me a lot is I, I like to pray through the names of God and just mm. kind of like slowly pray through them and think about what that name means. And I think that a, that helps me, it slows down my prayers and makes them like less me centered, but it also like the know that I'm God, like when I'm praying through his names, it, I can't help but like be at peace in the sense of, okay, like look at all these things he is like, he's got this, like mm -hmm. he can handle this um yeah it feels to it feels to me like we can't 
we we can't spend enough time focusing on the character of God because the character of God dictates everything. Mm-hmm. It dictates the way you read scripture. It dictates what you think is going to happen from here. It colors the things that you think happened in the past. And I mean, I say this like sort of like flippantly uh, as a, a sort of morbid joke, but it's like, if God isn't good, then like we're all hosed. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's like this game over. Like it's, yeah. If that's God what isn't good, Paul said about the resurrection. If that didn't happen, then we're all wasting our time because this is all. Yeah, what are we even? What are we even doing here? And yeah. so that's why we can't sing about the goodness of God enough, and we can't like ask for like so many of like this the in the Old Testament when God would do something cool, they would build a monument because it's like let's not forget what God did because we're gonna forget. Stuff's gonna get busy. We're gonna get distracted. We're gonna get discouraged. There's gonna be contrary evidence because there's gonna be a drought. There's gonna mm-hmm. be a an army that sweeps in. There's going to be like evidence that points to a God that's not good, but let's not forget what God did right here because right now we all can feel we right now we all know that God is good and let's not forget it. And so those things matter in families. They matter in friend groups. They matter in churches. Like those like personal stories of God came through. God was here. Like Mm -hmm. we, we can't talk about that enough because life can suck sometimes and it can, it can get super overwhelming and frustrating and you you just need to be reminded don't forget i know it doesn't seem like it right now but god is good there's plenty of times in my life when i didn't feel that way but god no that's so good i mean we need that like god has done so many miraculous things for cornerstone to get us to the place we are now like so many miracle stories of just like whoa what how did that happen and then even like our families have stories of and like i don't think we tell our kids enough those stories of when God was present and good and did something big. Like now that you brought that up, I'm like, when was the last time I did that with my boys? Like, I need to go do that right now. Boys, are you listening? Yeah. God has done some amazing things. And I'm going to tell you. Yeah, and not just, and not just like, not just saying God is good, but let me tell you how and when God yeah. is good. Yeah. Yes. Let me tell here's you what happened. Here, here's how it played out. Yeah. I love it. That's so good. Well, I appreciate everyone who joined us. Thanks Scott and Julia. And uh, everyone else that I didn't get to mention. Um, Rihanna, Barack, thank you for being here. Uh, (laughs) At MJ23, thank you. (laughs) Steph, Aisha, Riley, thank you for being here. This was good. This was probably the best Beyond Sunday we've had since Taylor was on last. (laughs) I mean, it was up there. But that one had Ingold, so this one's probably better. This one's probably (laughs) probably better so appreciate you guys and uh we'll uh we'll do it again next monday night 7 30 looking forward to it we'll talk to y'all later thanks guys later.